Hello, thanks for listening again. This is the Filmed in Canada podcast. I'm William. And I'm Alexander. Uh, once again, we're going to talk a little bit about a Canadian movie. And what movie is that, Alexander? Trailer Park Boys, the movie, starring the Trailer Park Boys. Awesome. Yeah. Um, this is a little change in program from what we promised last week. What did we promise uh, last week? Uh, at the end of the Incendie episode, we we um, were going to talk about Adam Goyen's The Sweet Hereafter. Right. Well, you put me on the spot suggesting <laughs> that I should suggest something. And when I suggested something, you did not take kindly to it. So. We'll come back to it, I think. Uh, maybe it was just like after that uh, Danny Villeneuve movie. Uh, I just I felt like something a little bit lighter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and then actually um, our first choice was we, we found that it wasn't easily available. So um, right. uh, we fell back on Netflix Canada, which had the Trailer Park Boys on there. Most of their Canadian content consists of the Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although uh, we, I guess we'll get into it, but I, I feel like this could, ha- could have the potential to be a more punishing experience than this week hereafter. Uh, <laughs> just this one movie or do you think um uh if we open the can of worms of the trailer park boys we're just gonna keep descending into that hole yeah i don't, I don't know that i really want to get much more into it than this one but um oh, okay uh yeah i don't think this is a very good movie <laughs> <laughs> okay all right i think you have a bit of a history with the trailer park boys at least as a as a viewer of the trailer park boys yeah um and this is um uh, admittedly kind of new to me i I was aware of the show when it ran all the time on show on um showtime on the showcase network or showcase yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah from uh like like when they started in 2001 or or earlier than that yeah, but I think they uh, did. Was, a, I think they did a mockumentary movie in 1999. Okay, um, but it really started in 2001. Yeah, yeah, with the with the series. But uh, anyway, I was I was completely aware of it. I just didn't really like sit down to watch a lot of it. Uh, did so, you watch any of it? Or I I would catch like half of an episode before going to sleep or something like that. Right, and and I was aware of like people at work. Uh, who who watched it and said it was funny, but it just didn't seem like my brand of humor, so I didn't catch it. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So myself, I would have started watching probably in two thousand four, two thousand five. Um, basically, whenever I started smoking a lot of weed, I uh, became a fan of the show, along with all of my other high school friends. Hmm. Um. So yeah, I would have watched the show. I would, I would have caught up with the show in its like fourth or fifth season and then uh, watched it through to its somewhat conclusion in season seven, I think, in 2007. Uh, that, w- that was the conclusion of the original Showcase run, Showtime? Showcase. The Canadian network was Showcase. Showcase, yeah. And I did see, the, I did see this movie uh, when it came out in theaters probably on opening night we so so I, I was a huge fan back in the day um and i do have fond memories of watching the movie in theaters the first time around i do not have as fond i did not have as fond of an experience watching it t- uh, a few days ago in preparation for this episode okay 
Um, and then I guess since since that movie came out in 2006, they did a, another season of the show in 2007. They have continued. They, they did a second movie in 2009, and then a third movie in 2014, followed by uh, sort of a revival of the show on Netflix. Who has now produced four or five seasons of the show, mm-hmm. none of which I have watched. I, I started I started watching season eight and just like wasn't in, into it at the time. So, season eight was uh, the first of the Netflix. Correct. Season? Yeah. Okay. So you had already kind of fallen off the boat um, by that time, or you uh, were you just were you still kind of curious at that to check out the first season? Yeah, I was when it popped up on Netflix. I was I was curious, but just immediately was put off by it. Um, I I think I think there might be some value in in going back to it at this point. Um, but um, yeah, I, I'd say that my dislike of this particular movie. Is not necessarily connected to my enjoyment of the of the show and of the of the franchise overall. Um, it, I just think, I just feel like this is kind of a low point. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, so you can talk about it, I guess, um, uh, as that culmination of of the series that didn't pay off, and and I'm gonna come from it as the entry point, which might be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, I I actually. Uh, was kind of charmed by it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So, Trailer Park Boys the movie comes out in two thousand six. So this is while this is during its original run with the uh, with Showcase. Yes. Is it meant to like? Was there something in the t- in the in the show that sets up the movie? Uh, not that I can recall. I mean, basically, the the formula of at least the original run of the show was that. Um, the, the season would open with Ricky, Bubbles, and Julian getting out of jail, and it would end with them going to jail. And so oh, I can't yeah. recall exactly what put them in jail at the end of the sixth season leading into the movie, but it doesn't, it's, it's not really relevant. Like it's not, um, I would say the plots are not serialized from season to season. It's more so just, I, I, I mean, they are in the sense that there are some callbacks in that, but for the most part, each season is a, is just a contained arc of getting out of jail, going to jail. So, yeah. And then that's that's kind of the whole arc of uh, of the one movie, then. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, I don't know. Do you want to do you want to maybe give a plot synopsis other than just they start in jail and end up in jail? <laughs> uh, okay, I'll try. Well, so the the main characters are uh, are Ricky, Julian, and Bubbles. Is it fair to say that Ricky is the leader of the group? Uh, no, I would say Julian's the leader of the group. He seems the one. He seems to be the guy who comes up with the ideas, but then it's always Ricky who kind of um, uh, kind of messes it up. And says like, "Like screw this, I'm doing my own thing." Right? Yeah. So okay. I, I can't remember. I don't think it was in this movie, but uh, it's it's a common it's a common refrain that he'll go to his father Ray. Was he in the, Was he in this movie? Honestly, I've I've because I I've watched um, the first two movies and started the third one in the past. Like twenty four hours, and so I'm just kind of have them a bit jumbled up in my head. Is is Ray the guy in the wheelchair? Yes. Okay, he shows up in this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but does he, I don't think he gives Ricky advice at any point. I don't think so. No. no. Yeah. So, but it but it is a common refrain that Ray's kind of like, oh, you know, you're smarter than Julian. Like you should you should be doing your own thing or whatever. And then so they kind of go oh. their separate ways, and then um, Ricky tries to do something, fucks up, and then and then falls back on Julian's plan. Okay. 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 So these, uh, so these three guys 
live in the Sunnyvale Trailer Park. It's uh, is it meant to be situated in Nova Scotia? Yes. I don't know if they they don't hide it that it's no. Yeah, I, I believe it's. I believe at least originally it was a real trailer park called Sunnyvale Trailer Park. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, they're like they're like petty criminals, and it starts with them trying to uh, rip off an ATM, but. Uh, that plan goes badly and they end up in, um, or at least Julian and Ricky end up in jail for mm-hmm. 18 months. Um, they get an early release and, uh, an early release because then, the security or the, the, one of the cops in the, the, in the prison doesn't want them to, uh, to participate in the ball hockey tournament. Yeah. Because Ricky's too uh, good of a goalie. Yes. <laughs> so, and that once cop played by, um, by Mr. D. Yeah, Mr. D, that's right. <laughs> or uh, Jerry D. Mm-hmm. Is that, that's the name? Jerry D. Also, also Mr. The, two, D. the two cops at the beginning of the, uh, when, when they get arrested for um, for trying to steal the ATM and then and then stealing all the cigarettes. Two cops yeah. played by Alex Lifeson and Gord Downey. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, there's at least two tragically hip tunes that appear on the soundtrack. Yes. Or, or heard on the soundtrack. Um, plus much more CanCon. Yes. So uh, Julian and Ricky are reunited with Bubbles at the trailer park, um, and there seems to be like at least lip service about keeping the rat clean. But um, yeah, it's also another it's, common common plot okay. point in the show that um, that Ricky is is either trying to get his grade ten or his grade eleven or his grade twelve, um, okay. and clean up right. his act and and take care of his kid and get back with his. Uh, his baby mama, so to speak, Lucy. Ah, okay. So Lucy has uh, gotten a new job at the strip club, mm-hmm. and uh, Ricky's going to try to get her back. Strip club run by Hugh Dillon of uh, Hardcore Logo fame. <laughs> That's right. I, uh, I couldn't figure out where I've seen him before right. at first. But yeah. And uh, oh, and Bubbles is being evicted because his uh, his little shack has been condemned by the uh, trailer park caretaker, Mister Leahy. Right, and not not uh, necessarily for just cause, just because mm-hmm. uh, Leahy wants to. He's he's constantly scheming to um, to mess with Ricky, Bubbles, and Julian, and ultimately try to put them in jail. Okay, all right. Okay, so we have uh, so we have Bubbles Bubbles's um, motivation. We have ricky's motivation and so why does julian get involved in a new scheme it's just his thing yeah i mean that well I, I guess ultimately they just need to make money okay. and they don't want so to hold their, their jobs so their new scheme is to like make a make a big score in loose change because it's untraceable yes and uh, by the suggestion of one of the inmates in the prison oh okay is that right i didn't, yeah. I didn't catch that yeah when time. they're in All the right. um when they're in the the yard pumping weights or whatever the, the guy uh, suggested to him but you don't hear it but that's that's the implication but uh, then it's also okay. discussed in the prison that um certain certain prisoners talk about doing the big dirty so to speak in in um trying to find one sort of scheme that will pay off to such an extent that they can retire and no longer be criminals so okay. there's so there's this running idea of ricky wanting to pull off the big dirty what is the big dirty how, how can they do it kind yeah. of thing okay so one last job for ricky mm-hmm. which involves a mess of change right which, yeah which um uh, i find that amusing i find it amusing that you know the the 
the the highest that they can aspire to is more change than they can imagine. So. And I would say that that's a that's a uniquely Canadian crime, so to speak, since we we have changed denominations that would make it more profitable than say the the quarters and and dimes and nickels that you would get down in the US of A. Right, yeah. We've we got, got our loonies and toonies. To the multiple of uh, $2. Yeah. yeah. They, and it seemed like there were a lot of toonies in that uh, in that big ball of change. Okay, so, so all right. Well, I I I take that back. It's not not small change after all. <laughs> Modestly large change. <laughs> okay, so that is uh, I guess that's pretty much uh, what the movie is setting up. Um, and as you've said, that is what you would have expected if you were a fan of the show. Mm-hmm. Or, or is it? Like if you were, so if you were a fan of the series, did you want to just see a rehash of the same formula in a movie? Or did you want them to, to do something bigger? Well, see, yeah, that's the, that's the problem or conflict I have with this movie is that it is simultaneously the same thing as the show, but then they're trying to use more traditional film language, I guess. And, and mm-hmm. it's shot on presumably 35 millimeter film. And so it has that look of being a movie. But, yeah. I, I might've guessed it was like 16 mil, but yeah, uh, it, it just has like a, like a deliberately kind of graininess to it. I think. Yeah. Whereas the original yeah. show would have just been shot on video and, and all, all yeah. kind of handheld. There's no traditional coverage in the sense of, um, you know, like a shot reverse shot in a conversation, but there's a lot of that in this movie. And, huh. but then, but then it also is trying to be the mockumentary that it was in the show with okay. direct to camera interviews and, um, and kind of, uh, there is some of that handheld, handheld camera work and stuff like that. So like, that's where a lot of my conflict with this movie comes up is that it's, it's not, it's not a movie and it's also not a documentary. Like it's not a narrative feature and it's not a documentary and it's kind of in this weird middle ground that doesn't make a whole lot of sense i see okay actually i, I really want to talk to you about this uh, about the camera work thing because yeah uh, my memory maybe is not what it used to be um in the um in the tv show did you see the documentary crew or were you aware of the documentary crew yes okay yeah there would there um, would be there would it, it was mo- mainly ricky would would in some moment of frustration or whatever would like tell them tell the cameramen to fuck off or like start beating up the the guy holding the microphone or whatever and um, so that did that did play into the um the comedy of the show a lot of the time yeah i see okay that's not an element of the movie like you don't see the documentary crew and even though that they 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 turn to the camera they break the fourth wall to like deliver these kind of um personal moments um, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like they are. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like they're speaking to a camera person. It, it feels like they're sp- like speaking to some sort of a monologue. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was uh, while I was watching the movie. I thought like, well, this is a very um, innovative technique. It's not not what I was expecting. It was not the fake documentary that that I felt was kind of overplayed in the uh, in the nineties on mm. Canadian television. Yeah. Um, so uh, what I thought was uh, an interesting innovation you it was just like sort of a, a half-hearted version of something you've seen already yeah like to me to me the interviews the 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 or the monologues as you call them in the in the movie um they they aren't effective the way that they were in the show because 
ultimately all they're doing is like they're they're basically have not having to write a script essentially because all they all they're doing is the camera the the characters are are telling you something about what is happening mm-hmm. filling in filling in character details about other people um but not having to to build that into a traditional script and so they're doing all of these traditional movie type things in in the way that the movie is shot and and covered and you know the rock music on the soundtrack all of these things are indicative of you know a big budget movie but then but then they're falling back on these on these narrative constructs that don't really fit within that framework i guess yeah there's also a lot of um uh, like you said, there's a lot of angles that are covered that don't make sense if there was documentary crew there that they would have the time to catch those angles or, or or have access to. Uh, well, uh, in the TV show, did the did the documentary crew have access to the prison? Uh, yes, they did. Okay. Yes. No. Um, yeah, I mean, like I don't I don't think that the show necessarily perfectly follows. The construct of it being a mockumentary either and and no, nothing mm-hmm. ever really does but um it's certainly a, a more seamless impression that that it is this uh, caught on the fly kind of experience um mm-hmm. and um i mentioned that i've been watching that i was watching some of the other movies in preparation for this episode episode as well so the second movie i feel like is actually a lot more effective because it is mostly just rehashing the the frame or the um yeah the framework of the show but it is following that more kind of documentary style and there is no you know shot reverse shot coverage that kind of thing there's no the camera's not on a on a crane at any point there's no there's nothing fancy like that but but the plot does kind of amp things up so to speak they they, they have more location shooting they have um, you know, it's, it's more ambitious than, than the show was. So, um, this movie, it's just, it, it's ambitious, but it's also not because really other than being in the trailer park, the, the, the only other, the only other locations are the, uh, the strip club and then a, a bit of stuff that would have been shot in, um, I don't know, St. John's or whatever in Nova Scotia when they're, um, when they're stealing the, um, from the, the movie, theater? The, the parking mission, the parking meters, Oh, okay. And then, yeah, and then the movie theater. Hmm. Um, okay. So I don't know. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't. I don't think it fuses the the show with creating this big big screen mm-hmm. version of of what they're trying to accomplish. I don't know. Well, I don't. Okay. Know, what are your All thoughts right. on that? Um, not not having seen the show, I guess. <clears throat> Trailer Park Boys in the first place. It feels like a big fu to the Canadian film industry. Mm-hmm. It it feels like like in this one I I notice it's uh, funded by Telefilm is yeah. the and uh, I mean the TV show was uh, was produced for Showcase I don't know if there's other other government funding involved with that but um, I don't believe so it's it's just um, it, when we um, when we started this podcast we had uh, I was trying to do a recurring thing at the end where we identify the like the Canadian Canadian features of a movie mm-hmm. which is kind of a jokey way of saying like these are the clichés that show up in in Canadian movies mm. Trailer Park Boys the movie is almost like a textbook example where it, if they it, it seems like if they have a mention of hockey if they have a mention of beer if they have a mention of 
um, of um, uh, CanCon music. Um, it seems to be like designed to win points for for uh, government funding. Yeah. Um, and and to and to do that to play that formula and get funding, but then just tell a story of, about losers trying to commit their petty crimes. Um, I don't know if that in itself is uh, if there's a joke contained in that, or if it's just uh, if, or if there's like a genuine um, desire to tell the story of losers in uh, in a in a Dartmouth trailer park. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of think that there is a joke just in the execution that they're able to get away with it that they can say we're getting taxpayer money to tell this really um somewhat offensive really crass disposable story about nothing yeah um and about nobodies Uh, that is and and that it becomes uh like one of the most popular canadian exports that there is it seems like there is like a very subversive victory in that being done. So the Trailer Park Boys, the movie, is that just like another extension of that middle finger to say, and now we can waste all this money and do a movie version of it. Um, that's a way that I can, That it's a filter that I can put on to kind of understand it. I don't mm. know if that's an accurate way to... Um, uh, to characterize what the motivations of the filmmakers are, and I'm not even sure if that is like a legitimate reason to uh, to make a movie to spend five but, million dollars on making yeah, something. Yeah. But maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, 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 I was thinking a lot about um, Bob and Doug McKenzie actually mm-hmm. and Strange Brew in in contrast to this movie because I feel like they have a similar genesis in the sense of what you're saying about, you know, um, qualifying as CanCon, so to speak, but just being this middle finger and, and just being a, a joke on what, what it is or what it means to be Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, th- like that's, a, that's essentially how the Bob and Doug McKenzie skits started was that they were just told that, you know, if you want to, if you want, I don't know if it was part of their funding or just part of their broadcast requirements that they needed to create Canadian content for SCTV. And um, they just came up with the stupidest thing they could possibly imagine. But then when they made the movie, um, like that feels like a real movie to me. And Mm -hmm. um, they take, they take this simplistic, just two guys talking to a camera skit and turn it into this very over the top and absurd expression of just a lot of nonsense um and that movie's hilarious and and i think it's leagues better than trailer park boys the movie not not to say that they necessarily should be compared but but just in the sense of of how what what their origin is and what the end result is with with the movie adaptation i think strange Mm. brew is is a much more successful example of of that yeah i I I agree that it's a better movie, Strange Brew, yeah. um, and and uh, also that it kind of pays off if you if you're a fan of the characters and and the concept that like yeah this is this is uh, um, a big reward for for sticking with it that they put all this effort into making a good entertainment. Mm-hmm. But like for example, so the the second Trailer Park Boys movie, 
Countdown to Liquor Day is the subtitle. It starts with, well, I guess there's been a big time gap. So that, that I think that helps in terms of creating a narrative for the movie because there's a, there's, there's more space for them to fill in what the characters have been up to and change things that have been the same for a really long time. So there's a new trailer park that, that Leahy and Randy are running because uh, Barb, who owns the trailer park, sold sold off some of her excess land and and so they built a new park um but in order to connect to the sewage lines they need to pass through julian's old property in the old trailer park and so Leahy needs to basically convince julian to to give up his old his old lot which he does not want to do because he wants to open an auto body shop and and again there's just this constant urge to to turn it into a legitimate business all of that fails, and they end up just coming up with this plan to rob a bank um, by by impersonating the um, the like armored cars that come up and and um, and pick up all the money. So they they're about to succeed in doing that, but because they've kind of interfered with Leahy's plans, he's gone back to drinking, which again is another very uh, common refrain in the show and in the, in the movies that you know he starts off being clean and then and then just because he's so um worn down by 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 ricky by dealing with ricky and bubbles and julian obviously other reasons as well but he goes back to drinking um he shows up at this at this bank and he's like in his underwear running around just completely wasted and um ends up on the roof threatening to kill himself and so like just that whole set piece is I think a really good example of the type of things that they can do with a bigger budget that they did not do in this movie. In this movie, that's they show up to a movie theater, uh, a big ball of change knocks over. They try and fill it up, but it's all it's all shot in close up, and like you don't really get a sense of the scale of it. So it doesn't feel like any sort of larger scale heist than what you would typically see in the show. Whereas this this bank one does feel like that. Mm-hmm. But and and the other thing the other thing that bothered me about this movie is that. It feels like it was it was actually made for an audience that wasn't familiar with the show because so many of the of the jokes and so many of the of the character beats um, or uh, the character backstories are filled in needlessly because if you're if you if you did watch the previous six seasons of the show you would have known all of these things or like at one point uh, near the beginning of the movie Ricky is he's he's always sleeping in his car and he. Um, he puts everything on top of his um, on, on the hood of his car. on the hood of his car, and and then he needs to clear it off in order to drive. Um, and so to do so, he has this hockey stick called the clearing stick that he that he uses to wipe off. In in the context of an episode of the show, he would have just used that stick and and cleared everything off. Whereas in this movie, Bubbles has to tell Ricky, "Oh, here's the clearing stick." Okay, and. Um, I feel like there's I, other there's other examples of that, but but it but it just okay. it feels like it was written for an uninitiated audience member, and I you're see. just kind of being spoon fed all of these all of these character details uh-huh. and all of these okay. elements that you should already know, um, and it and it feels like the main audience of people that would have been going to see this in theaters would have been people who were already familiar with it. So I like I don't see I just I'm, I just find it I find there's a lot of conflict internally in terms of. Is it a movie? Is it a documentary? Is it for new fans? Is it for old fans? I see your point. Mm-hmm. Um, as a new, I don't know if I would say a fan, but as a new viewer to this universe, I I kind of uh, thought it amusing when he said, here's the clearing stick. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I like, I like though that the characters are um, well. I wanted to say pure, um, that they were, that they were consistent. I guess is what I mean. Um, that they were true to like their one dimensionalness. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's, there's just, yeah, and not just in the main characters, but in, in the supporting cast, there's, uh, there's like a real shamelessness in in how they portray themselves as um, as these kind of low life characters. Um, mm-hmm. There isn't any, um, like, there isn't really an attempt to dial it back to say like, oh, but you know, there's a side of there's a side of 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 someone that you that you rarely see. It was just like, no, you only see that they're this kind of scummy character, like Mr. Leahy. I like we only see Mr. Leahy and Randy as as um, like this drunken and scheming pair of oafish people like yeah. there's no although, although there's no, you do you do get some shades of of kind of like the love between the two of them i don't know if it's really if it's really clear in this movie that they are a couple i didn't catch that in the movie yeah i didn't catch that in the movie no yeah that was a big plot point in the show that um i forget how it happens exactly i think ricky i think ricky backs his car into their trailer mm-hmm. and um and Leahy is in an indiana jones costume and and randy's dressed up like a bee and it's clear that they're doing some sort of sexual role play and and that becomes oh. <laughs> their coming out in the show um so yeah it, it, again again like not not making that clear for an uninitiated audience like it just it's just another sort of inconsistency i guess but um that is yeah so i think there are there are those those kind of nefarious scheming you know engaging in illegal activity um, all like borderline kind of violent and sociopathic elements to their characters, but that's also balanced by just the the kind of bumbling mm-hmm. lovableness of, of all of them as well. All right, the first time that I had um, like a like a laughing fit was uh, when they uh, encountered Leahy and uh, Randy and uh, Bo Bandy and. <laughs> is, is that one of his nicknames? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but um, like near the end of that conversation, then there's this uh, like the shirtless Randy with his big pot belly. <laughs> he he starts like he starts like poking one of them, and they start shoving back and stuff. And it's just the absurdity, <laughs> the absurdity of that visual yeah. was just it just caused me to like laugh for a while. Yeah, and um, and I guess. I was I was wondering if I'm just responding to um, to something similar like the appeal of watching a bum fight. It, it's just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, shirt, shirtless Randy does uh, does do wonders for. Uh, it is it is just a very pathetic spectacle. Yeah. which uh, I, I can. Yeah, the, the, I think the, that's definitely one of the one of the better aspects of the show is just how um how those fights just kind of evolve very very kind of um modestly i guess you could say to be polite mm-hmm. um they just I, I, it's almost as if they don't know how to fight and it's almost it's i guess in a way it's kind of indicative of of the actors just being untrained not necessarily untrained, but they but they just started off as as just kind of amateur actors in mm-hmm. um, in Nova Scotia, 
and evolved into this much bigger thing. Like they, they they've almost held on to some of those more amateurish elements of the of the early aspect of the show because that just ended up being some of the funniest stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, those those fights are yeah. always very enjoyable. Um, I want to get back to the actors, but uh, just one more one more thing I, I had in my notes was mm-hmm. um, um, again about the <clears throat> about the depiction of the characters. Uh, so there's a there's a courtroom scene where um, Ricky pretty much throws his friends under the bus. Um, well, I don't know if they're so much his friends, but Cody Cor- and Trevor, Cor- Corey and Trevor, Corey and Trevor, Corey um, Bowles. So they're and and yeah. Michael Jackson curiously. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's the other actor. So there are these two guys who um uh who are kind of looking up to the to the trio and they kind of just tag along in their schemes. Mm-hmm. Um but he but but Ricky pretty much tells the judge, um, well you can clearly see that they were involved, but you don't have sufficient evidence that I was involved. Yeah, he shows the picture. He's like, clearly I don't know who yeah. these guys are in the background. They're probably not even picking up any change. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> so another movie I think would have used it um uh, as the uh, as lead-in to that moment where a character realizes like oh wait i've done something wrong and has a change of heart but this movie doesn't do that no Corey, Corey and trevor are always <laughs> and and will always be the punching bag okay they take right. the fall for everything although although ricky and julian usually still end up in jail anyway um mm-hmm. even even like at the beginning of the movie uh, Ricky Ricky says that their names are Corey and Trevor when they get pulled over by the cops. Ah, uh, right. Okay. I see. Okay, so that's a running gag. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the moment, I just thought it was it was, it was amusing that we were not going to get like this uh, uh, sweet life lesson. <laughs> so. Also, also amusing that the stupidest person in the room is able to convince a judge that they shouldn't be convicted of a crime because yeah. Leahy is, quote, drunk as fuck. <laughs> And I, um, and I think so, he messes up the word breathalyzer in that exchange. There's actually, I thought it was something pretty smart about the script is how the characters are written to, to believe that they're saying something smart, but they're, yeah. they're mangling the words. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the director of this movie is Mike Clattenburg, who wrote the script with Rob Wells. Mm-hmm. Mike Clattenburg, he's the, he's the creator of the show. Yes. Okay. He made he made the original short and the original trailer, trailer park boys. Yeah, movie. I think I think it's kind of yeah. considered a, a joint creation of Mike Lattenberg, Rob Wells, Mike Smith, and whoever plays Julian. Um, John Paul. John Trumbly. John Paul Tremblay. John Paul Tremblay. Yeah. Um, okay, so so what happens when what happens between the showcase years and the Netflix years? Is Mike Lattenberg involved in the in he, this new incarnation? He was for the first few seasons, but the most recent seasons. Uh, I was looking on IMDb briefly. I couldn't actually. I was trying to find some writing on it, uh, so like just like a news announcement or anything like that. But it yeah. seems like the writing duties have have basically been internalized by the three Trailer Park Boys, and they've they've like bought the rights to the show from the producers. Is that so right? It seems like I think that's what I read too. It okay. Was, uh, yeah, that they. But I think um, I think Mike Lattenberg was involved with at least one or two of the seasons on Netflix. Okay, but, but it's uh, interesting that it's it, it is like this um, ongoing community theater thing, like you're saying, how it's just, they have this uh, this amateur quality to it. But it is like a continuing community theater roadshow where it's like these characters have a thing that's working for them, and they're just running with it. Yeah, they're, 
And yeah, there, there's, um, there's a whole bunch of live shows, recorded <laughs> live shows that are on Netflix as well, and, and they tour around and do all kinds of stuff. On that note, I think it is worth discussing, discussing some of the, I, I guess there's been some conflicts within the production that I've read bits and pieces of. Um, so Trevor, played by Michael Jackson, he has left the show either in the most recent season or a few seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and his reasoning for that was due to poor working conditions and that he often would be doing other sort of production related jobs on set, um, like being a boom operator or uh, any other kind of, or just, just oh. general odd jobs, I guess, on, on set. Right. Um, and okay. that wasn't necessarily part of his contract. And, um, I think he's made some some comments about uh, about Mike Clattenburg, so there there could be some internal conflict there as to why he's no longer working on the show. Um, but then, but then I've also just heard rumors of um, when the, the three guys they'll they'll just go around. I don't think they do it anymore, but they used to just kind of make appearances in bars around Canada. And huh. t- typically on like college campuses, and um, I've heard I've heard rumors of um, of Mike Smith being a bit of a creep. Okay, I don't know that there's much. Th- I don't know that there's been any reporting on that, but maybe that's mm-hmm. not even worth in- including in our discussion. But I guess just in the in the current climate of being more aware of the um, the production and creative side of things and um and abuses of power that are happening in in all all Mm -hmm. forms of society i feel like it's worth maybe mentioning Mm, okay (laughs) uh that's a down note um yeah i don't really have much more to say about it than that but but i think uh, certainly other than the sort of more or less unsubstantiated rumors about Mike Smith, um, although they could be substantiated, I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't do any research into that yeah, prior to this episode. Yeah. But um, for sure, there there, there seems to be some um, some water behind um, behind Michael Jackson's criticisms of the production. Oh, ah, okay. So your revisit with Trailer Park Boys that is uh, not a reunion. Not a reunion. You're <clears throat> sorry. Can't hit that. Uh, the I O U U N. Okay. So your um, your reunion with the Trailer Park Boys. That's not something you're enjoying. You're saying. Uh, no, I just didn't enjoy this movie, but I, d- I did enjoy the second one. Um, okay. And there were moments like I think that that courtroom scene in this one is really good, and um, like the whole the whole wedding I think is is pretty well executed just in Mm. in um kind of staging it it, it's like a perfect crossroads of of ricky's constant conflict within what he wants out of life and what he ends up getting i guess because he he wants to have this simpler life with his daughter and with lucy um Mm -hmm. and he just ends up he just ends up getting wrapped up in all sorts of criminal enterprise um and the fact that um that Hugh Dillon shooting up their car like leaves the the trail of change and like that's what leads to their arrest. I think that's all all uh, mm-hmm. worth a good chuckle. But overall, I just don't. It just doesn't feel like a, a real movie to me. So you're still a fan of the Trailer Park Boys, just not of this movie. Yes, 
Okay. I, 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 I would say that I'm probably hesitant to um, to get into the later seasons of the show, but I, I don't know. There might be some some enjoyment to be had there, so I might do that. Has it has it um, given has you any reason that? to to want to get into the uh, the rest of the franchise, no. so to speak? No, it hasn't. Okay. Yeah. But you said it you were was... charmed by it. Yeah, I was amused. I was I had fun watching it, but it just it seemed like um, empty calories. Yeah. Yeah, and at least of what I've seen of the first seven seasons of the show, it is very much the same formula every time. Okay, um, looking at the titles, it, it sounds like some of the later, either movies or or specials that they they leave the country or something. Hmm. Yeah, they did a live show in Ireland, I think. I think I think the out of country stuff is is are, are the live shows or just stage shows or something. Yeah. Um, uh, in okay. in one season of the show, they do they do set up a uh, a model train to cross the border so that they can deliver weed across the border. So that <laughs> okay. is a plot point. I see. Also, find it quite quite funny that um, like Ricky Ricky's idea of living a clean life, free of any crime, is involves growing weed and selling weed <laughs> when that is yeah, an illegal also- activity. <laughs> It's also what Lucy encourages them to get back to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. It's like, you're going to grow dope. Just, yeah. just focus on that. All right. I guess we should wrap up this talk about Trailer Park Boys, the movie. Mm. Unless there's more that you wanted to say. I don't think so. Is oh, this, oh actually, this? there is one worth, one thing that's worth mentioning. Okay. Um, it wouldn't be uh, a movie-watching experience on Netflix without seeing something in the wrong aspect ratio. Uh, this w- movie was shot in, in 185, and it was displayed on Netflix in 178. Uh-huh. Yes. So, falling short on the, the movie promise there, Netflix. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. How are we supposed to know if it's a movie if there's, if there's no letterboxing? Yeah. Uh, it didn't uh, distract me while I was watching, but um, I think that's uh, a good point. I think that happens a lot on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Now, you wouldn't ever point to the Trailer Park Boys and say, like, well, here's a movie that is offensive to white people, would you? Right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that's possible. It's not possible to have a movie that's offensive to white people? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is that, like, we've been colonizing and and offending and and doing shitty things for hundreds of years so you can handle some of it you can handle some blowback yeah okay all right that's good you gotta (laughs) you gotta you gotta thick white skin (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean i don't but i don't i don't think any i don't think any white person watches this and and thinks like oh that's that's offensive toward me because it's just they're they're making fun of. I guess I guess the only group of people that it might be offensive to would be like low income individuals that live in a trailer park. Yeah, but the, that'd be possible. Like I think that, yeah that they all that they all smoke dope and that they're plotting crimes. Yeah, yeah. That they the best job they can get is at the strip club. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe there's an argument there, but I guess uh, uh, somebody else will have to make that argument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not I. All right. Uh, what should we do? Do, you need, do we need to rate this thing? Uh, yeah, I'd give it like a fucking D. Wow. Okay. You really don't like it. Yeah, I don't. Okay. It's just not a real you... movie. I see. Well, I think you made a good argument toward that. 
um, like I said, I, I just was amused and uh, a little bit charmed by it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm going to let it slide with a, with a, with a fucking C+. Cool. Yeah. I don't, it, seem, it seems to be common that with, these, with this new rating system, you're like shocked at my rating, but then yours doesn't end up being that far off of it. I mean, I guess three um. letter grades. <laughs> Although, wait, yeah. no. So, so there would be D, D plus, C minus, C, C plus, so four. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's a lot of that's a lot of nuance on your Ds, but um, <laughs> I mean, just same difference. Uh, yeah, we're we're kind of at the lower end of the scale, and you're a little bit lower than mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the difference is. Oh no, but it's still even a D is a pass. So we're like if at the end of the year that still passes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Although uh, actually, sorry, I want I want to clarify oh, that okay. because so <laughs> so on. a star rating, <laughs> yeah. if it w- if it had a, a, a numerical equivalent, okay. would be from a range of zero to a hundred, but a letter a letter grade rating really only goes from fifty to a hundred. Right. So, so in the in the in the uh, you know out of five star rating scale of things, I would not give this movie a pass, so to speak. I would not, I would not give it a two and a half or higher. Ah, uh, okay. To be clear, do we need to change our rating system for clarity? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> if we're if we're, I would prefer to uh... leave things more ambiguous. Okay. Because if we were to adopt a uh, more liquid system, like a, a like a glass half empty or half full, I would I would still side on the uh, it's half empty, yeah. <laughs> for whatever that means. Uh, it's just okay. a, just a glass full of spaghettios, or mm. half 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 empty of spaghettios. Mm, spaghettios. <laughs> hey, Alexander! I'm glad we took the time to talk about this movie. I think more more other- than this more than. The experience of watching the movie, I've actually enjoyed talking about it so that I can reminisce about other aspects of the Trailer Park Boys that I enjoy more than this movie. Well, thanks for sharing. So that's a good result. Uh, find our other content on our website, filmedincanada.net. Or check out our Facebook group, Filmed in Canada Podcast. It is a closed group, so it's searchable, but you can't just join willy-nilly. So you'll need to request to join, and I will approve it, likely. You won't be turned away. I don't think so. Yeah. Also, in there, we're um, doing a nomination process for uh, for a future episode where we're uh, surveying people for their favorite filmed in Vancouver movies. Um, that, yeah, that, close. That, that was that was a question I had for you. So, was okay. that intended to be uh, best filmed in filmed in Vancouver movies that are Canadian, or just no, no? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because pretty much all the suggestions we got were not Canadian. <laughs> Yeah, which um, says something about uh, how people remember Vancouver being used in the movies. Mm. I think. Yeah, it was not meant to be limited to Canadian movies. So mm. I think the uh, the entries we've we've received so far uh, they make sense. Uh, there's some controversy about about uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. If if that's a Vancouver movie or outside Vancouver movie, mm. more of a Squamish yeah. movie, I guess. Um. That's a question. Um, or or does West Vancouver count? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. I have seen it, but I was jet lagged and fell asleep, so I would like to watch it again. Yeah, I'll 
I'll have to make time to see it before we get to the boating stage. Anyway, if there's a movie you don't want us to miss in the survey, uh, please speak up before, um, I guess, a week after this episode is posted. Like the last uh, the last couple days of February, so we'll close the polling. Right on. End of February. Yeah. Um, uh, we're both on Letterboxd. I'm at Married to a Fly. And I'm, William is... I'm Angora Sweater on Letterboxd. Oh, I wanted to ask what the significance of that moniker is. It was it was what uh, Ed Wood was comfortable wearing ah. when he when he made movies. Nice. Yeah. I forgot about that. I can picture uh, the cover of that movie, or at least the, <laughs> the DVD cover that I have with Johnny Depp wearing an Angora sweater. Yeah. Cool. All right. And you can oh, and you can email us. Did we say that? You can email us at filmedincanada at gmail if you didn't, now you did. Yeah. I'll make sure it's in there. Great. Right on. Uh, let's do it again sometime. Yes, sir. 